Hello. Um, this is a special episode. Uh, it's just a, it's just me today. Me and a baby. He's shaking a toy right now. It's little baby Oliver. And I'm talking about the Flash again. And uh, well, the Flash fucked with time so much. This might be Oliver Queen from another timeline, as far as we know at this point. So it's I, it's me and the Green Arrow today. And I'm talking about. Um, all of the Flash, the the movie, specifically the movie. Um, I know we've done a couple episodes about this. I know we have, um, and I'm definitely gonna retread some old ground with this. But I, I just have so much about this movie that I just feel the need to talk about. And look, I am fully aware no one wants this episode. No one wants to talk to me about this because I've expounded every angle and uh, they didn't care when I was like five seconds in. So I am just going to, I'm making this, I'm doing this. So um, before I get started on the film itself, let's go over just the, the production just a little bit. Over 10 years, um, the Flash TV show got through its entire nine-season run in the time that it took to produce this movie. Ezra Miller was announced to be The Flash at just about the time The Flash TV show was entering its second season, maybe just after the first season. Um, so, it's there's no excuse for this movie ending up the way it has. That's... Point number one, I guess. Um, and let's let's we gotta address the big old elephant in the room before he even gets in the room this time. Um, <clears throat> this elephant's name is Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller has done uh, quite a few criminal things while during the production of this, and while getting paid. Millions by Warner Brothers and DC. Um, and they have been able to skirt the law over and over again uh, with what seems allegedly like out-of-court settlements to avoid criminal charges for most of these things. He did plead guilty to a couple of them, but... I don't want to go in and look through all of that footage and figure out what's alleged and what's proven in court, um, but there's enough alleged there that Warner Brothers should have kicked him, kicked them right off the film, right? It had so many other production mishaps, and the Snyderverse was already such a mess. Nobody would have been upset if Ezra Miller had been recast, except for Ezra Miller and their fans, which I assume, because they seem to be an insane person, their fans are also, you know, fairly rabid in their um, fervor. But it would have been uh, maybe a month of angry tweets, and then we would have gotten past it and gotten a better flash, I'm sure. But what we ended up with was... The Barry Allen was fine, and Ezra Miller's acting is fine in the movie, and I'm going to try to, from here forth, from here 
uh, not refer to the the outside stuff of the movie because there's enough wrong with the finished product that I don't need to. So let's get into it. Um, the the opening it starts with Barry Miller running late. Um, Barry Miller, Barry Barry Allen running late. Uh, and he goes and he gets to his coffee shop, his normal coffee shop, and his normal barista is not there, who usually has the sandwich ready, and this barista is talkative, and it's a whole bit, right? Um, because he's got to be later than late, because Barry Allen's always late, because he's the fastest man alive. Ha, 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 ha. Um, the... While he's waiting for a sandwich from the slow barista, Alfred calls and is like, Hey, Batman needs your help. And none of the other super people are available at the moment. They're all busy with something or not responding. Um, Victor Stone is brought up like twice in this movie, and it's uh, very much, uh, yeah, we're acknowledging it and getting past it because Ray Fisher's not in this movie. <laughs> I think that's who does it. Anyway, um, and when Barry takes just an extra second, like, he goes in the bathroom, changes, and then asks some girls who stop him in this opening credits gag, they're like, oh, the Flash, we love you, uh, ask them for a candy bar, and it's like 30 seconds, maybe, and Bruce calls Barry again and is like, hey, I need you here now. Like, come on, man. That's, yeah. Anyway, uh, he gets hit in the head with a candy bar, and he does not seem to pick up and eat the candy bar, though that would be really no time at all, and help him because his calorie counter is low. Right, he's got a calorie counter on and, like, an Apple Watch, and he keeps looking at it, and it's like, oh, you're super low on calories, which I get that he doesn't have anything in his house, but why wouldn't he eat anything steal a hot dog or a piece of pizza like he does any other time like he doesn't seem to have a problem with stealing people's food he does it all the time so it's it's weird to me that he would let it get so low in especially in an instance like this just run through a family's house and eat a bowl of cereal who's who is going to be that upset <laughs> i don't i just this whole opening bit feels contrived in in just in that sense um not just but in that sense specifically. Um, then we got a CGI Batman rolling down. He hops out of his little... His little he's got a big old militarized bat thing that drops his motorcycle. Nothing sleek about anything this Batman does. Uh, he hops, or more, his uh, CG model hops down out of this thing and does this exciting-looking... Uh, a highway chase, and I'm gonna bring up something I have a little bit later here right now. This CGI looks bad. This whole, and I know this is a regular thing, but I'm bringing it up right now for a reason. Anthony Muschietti, or Muschietti, uh, one of those, the director of the film, commented something along the lines of, uh, we're supposed to see the CG like that because it's from the Flash perspective. If you think it looks weird, it's because it's supposed to. Which, to me, sounds like a cop-out in the first place. But in the second place, we do not see 
um, this Bruce Wayne at all from the Flash's perspective. This looks weird. The whole thing looks weird. The bike, like his motorcycle's model, looks good on its own, I'm sure. But with a person on it, doesn't look good. He does this cool little sliding maneuver and... And the whole sequence in and of itself is pretty cool. Like, the chase itself is neat. Uh, there's a lot of cool maneuvers and stuff. But it all looks like... Uh, like, if you just put button prompts on the screen, screen I'd be playing a QuickTime event. And <laughs> and that's just a bummer. Like, it feels like they could have done... I don't know if they did any shooting with any real motorcycle with this. Like, I would believe it if you told me that there was not anything at all going on there that they just filmed a highway and then put Batman on it. It was... It was odd. Um... Uh, let's see, where were I? Uh, that, that threw me off. Uh, but he does have the blue and gray suit, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, and we get to the baby shower. That's a quote from the movie where all the babies are falling out of the maternity ward. I... This is comic silly. I appreciate that part. I really, I appreciate that it was silly. I laughed quite a few times, just like, what? Are they really putting this on the screen? Are you kidding me? Like, it's, it's silly. Um, but we've got, it, it feels like this digresses before the plot even starts. It feels like this should have been part of the plot. And you might say, well, the calorie counter. Maybe that's an important part that'll come in later. Because he's, you know, got a whole thing with that the whole time. He's, like, trying to snag food out of the air. There's a vending machine falling. He does a good bit where he goes past one of the falling babies to get to the vending machine. And there's there's some good bits in there. And he's But he's fighting the whole time to keep his calories up because he's going so fast and he can't touch like he can't move the babies directly because it'll make him sick or kill them apparently so um he's fighting this thing the whole time and it just doesn't it's not relevant for the rest of the movie uh later on when barry two comes in he obviously has to get told about the food and the calories but like not in a here's a watch because you're gonna pass out if you don't have it kind of thing it's just like you know, be sure you eat. It's it's weird. Also, there's a therapy dog, and it doesn't look great. No, and all the babies look weird. Now, this is the part where, you know, the, the director might argue it's from the Flash's perspective, but... Like, none of the stuff looks good in this. Like, none of it. It... Uh, uh, it all looks like really good... PS3 stuff, like, it just doesn't look good, uh, anyway, um, we got Falcone's kid is apparently the one doing the stuff, which is a fun little tie-in, but doesn't really mean anything, uh, that's who Batman's chasing after, he's stolen some sort of horrible chemical that if it gets into the water supply, or if so it gets into the Gotham Reservoir, it'll get half the city sick or dead by noon, which... I mean, yeah, classic comic book nonsense, but they've got such a, like, a grounded reality in this world that, like, what? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's not like, 
the drinking reservoir. Are people regularly swimming in Gotham Bay? Is that a thing? Like, it seems a really industrial place. Like, it seems like there'd be a lot of commercial boats out there. Like, I just don't understand how it would get half or all of the city sick or dead by noon if it fell in there. I don't... Some either less explanation or more explanation on that would have been really good. Because it really was like, huh? Uh, um, he almost falls and they almost fall into the water and then da, 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 Wonder Woman pops out of nowhere and uh, saves him with the lasso of truth which leads to a couple little silly bits I've heard a lot of mixed uh, mixed feelings on the lasso of truth gags and I think it's kind of funny to get a little meta with it and just point out those little um, they are just internet theories like they go super viral, and everybody's like, ha, 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 that's, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, like, um, Batman says something about giving away his wealth would be way more effective than being Batman. Uh, the first thing he says is my pride is, or my ego is way too big to say thank you or something along those lines. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun to poke at those characters, and it's it's a Flash movie, and I appreciate the jokes in this movie because the Flash is a very comic book funny character. Uh, so his his not only does he make jokes a lot, his comics are filled with jokes. So it's it's nice to have that sort of stuff in here, and I I enjoy the little fourth wall breaks of that sort of stuff. So uh, the jokes worked for me. Uh, sorry if they didn't work for you. Um, Barry being a virgin was a little silly, little, maybe a little too silly, but it was fine. Um, uh, Barry's dad, Ron Livingston, going to jail. Uh, he's going to jail because he's framed for uh, Nora's murder. And this happened, you know, 11 years ago, and he's been protesting his innocence 11, 18 years ago? I don't remember. A, a long time ago now, when Barry was 11 and he's like 30 now, 28 or 30. Um, so, yeah, it's Ron Livingston in this film, and he's been recast from the Justice League, or whichever film his parents appeared in, or his dad appeared in last, and, uh, I don't know why, because I know the, the Billy Crudup, something like that, uh, was the dad for the other one, and he was there to film some stuff, like, he filmed some things, and then there was just a scheduling conflict, and I don't know why you wouldn't incorporate that into this it would be so easy to like oh hey okay you can't uh, like i understand that scheduling conflicts are uh come up and are hard to work around and you know maybe you the stuff you shot wouldn't work in this context but it seems like you really could have worked that into the film in a way where when he went to one of the timelines later on he I just, like, came back and his dad was a totally different person. Like, wait a minute. And then maybe that could be a nod to, like, oh, that was the original, original timeline. And because he's been fucking with stuff, this Ron Livingston timeline is a, actually a different one. And you just didn't even know it. Like, that'd be a, that'd be a fun little bit they could have played into. And they just uh, did not. Which feels pretty apt for this whole movie. Um... But Barry can't seem to help because he got this, uh, he, he recovered some security footage, security camera footage. Wow, that sentence was impossible. Uh, 
from the grocery store where his dad got the can of tomatoes on that fateful night where his mom died. And because uh, even after Wayne Tech was able to restore the footage, his dad doesn't look up at that camera to get the tomatoes when he's getting the tomatoes. I keep wanting to sing the VeggieTales theme. Um, when he's getting them, he uh, does not look up at the camera, so it doesn't even matter how clean the footage is, he's not going to be exonerated, and he's just going to stay in jail or go more to jail or prison. or uh, It's not really clear where he's at at this point. Uh, I don't know where his appeals are at. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he feels just desperate Barry Allen feels incredibly desperate at this moment he runs back to his childhood home and he just stands there and remembers as a good little flashback to his mom making spaghetti which uh, is poignant for this film Um, so he just goes fast he starts running he runs fast and goes too fast and goes to the Chrono Bowl um, which he just calls it later i don't know if he thought about that for a while and then gave it that name but i don't know chrono bowl's all right (laughs) uh he went back like a day and like just like was able to figure out the kind of time traveliness of it and was like oh there's a lot of implications i should go talk to my best friend ever bruce wayne so he does and uh batfleck does a really good job of portraying like a like a tired mentor uh he's he's really like you should not do that it's not gonna be good you could destroy literally everything and he's just like but i could save my parents i could save your parents like no our scars remind us that our past is real I tear my heart open just to feel, as says Batfleck. And, um, so Barry ignores him and Papa Roach and decides that he's going to do this, but he, like, he, well, he doesn't decide right then, but he's still pretty sure and he's just trying to figure it out because Bruce said something about if you interact too much with the past, there's going to be real consequences. Despite the fact that Barry is quite intelligent and would definitely have heard of or probably seen the movie The Butterfly Effect at the very least, um, there's he figures if he can go back and interact the least amount possible, uh, he can do that without fucking things up. <laughs> but he kind of figures that out while... After Iris comes over, Iris West, which I'm going to say, like, Iris West is kind of fundamental to the Barry Allen character as a whole, but for this particular story, she didn't, especially this version of this particular story, she didn't really have a, a part to play that was important or necessary, uh... It feels like Barry could have had that revelation on his own. The revelation that he could just not interact with stuff. If he could just move the... Or get the can of spaghetti. Or sauce. Tomatoes. Get the tomatoes. 
for the sauce. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if he could just get the tomatoes for the sauce so his dad didn't have to leave, that would be not interacting with people, right? So it's not interacting with the past, which is just not what that means. And I wish Barry Allen was smarter. But he, I, I guess he's just thinking, oh, I, anything will work right now. But uh, I don't know. Um, oh, there were some funny gags while Iris was over, though. They did a couple little things where, like, yeah, a beer. I'll get you a beer. And he doesn't have any beer in his fridge, so he phases over to his neighbors and grabs some beer out of their fridge. And he just does not mind stealing. I don't know why he's ever hungry enough for his calorie counter to go low. Uh, and, uh, he, when he opens his beer, because he phased through the wall, he shook it the fuck up, and it just explodes. Uh, so, that's, that's pretty funny, that's a good gag, and then, uh, he did, like, run into his apartment and clean it up before she got in there, and he didn't like clean it up properly he just shoved it all in a closet and it all falls out uh, and that happens twice and those those gags are both really well timed and pretty funny uh, it's just Iris feels like a means to an end every time she's on screen and I don't mean that to belittle the performer she did a great job she had, she was uh, you know the interested in the awkward main character girl like she she did she did her job she did exactly what she was supposed to there's no diss on the performance in this just um the character wasn't necessary in this particular instance uh it could easily have been on his own having just a a big think maybe he's trying to get drunk because he's so uh, you know mad about it i don't know there's there's a lot of things because he can't get drunk uh but there's there's a lot of things that you could have done that would have seemed better than this Iris bit that felt like it didn't really go anywhere. And I know she comes back at the end, but I'll talk about that there too because she didn't really add much there either. Um, oh, uh, I've heard a few comparisons to the Chronobull of the Chronobull to Interstellar. Don't do that. Christopher Nolan doesn't deserve that. Don't do that. Um... But we get back to the Chrono Bowl. Uh, the CG in the Chrono Bowl is where some people assume that the director was talking about it being from Flash's perspective, so it looks weird to you, whatever. Um, but all of the CG pretty much looks like that. All of it in the movie looks like the Chrono Bowl. It just looks like the Chrono Bowl took screenshots of it and, you know, set them there. And they look particularly odd because they're mirrored one right after each other, like slightly different spaces in time. And it's. The whole thing looks weird. And him sticking his head out of the Chrono Bowl, so it's just his head in coming out of nothing in a, like a rip in time, is really silly to look at. I don't know if they meant for it to be silly to look at, but it looks really, really silly. Um, I feel like there would have been a way to do that so it didn't look quite as silly, but also sticking your head out of nothing on is going to look a little odd no matter how you do it, but I don't know. I feel like there could have been some level of something that could have smoothed that out so it didn't look so silly. 
it just looks silly. I couldn't, uh, like, he was figuring out time travel, and I was like, hey, <laughs> your head looks funny. Like, I just feel like I should be more invested in the moment at that moment. Uh, uh, he, so he saves his mom uh, by getting the can of tomatoes, and it's it's kind of this nice moment where he sees his mom for the first time in, you know, however many years since she died, and... He just sees her just being there, how he remembers her, and it's it's really nice. Uh, he just sneaks a can of tomatoes in her cart and then goes back and uh, gets back in the Chronicle, and the memories from his past have altered. He sees memories he never had before, like him learning to shave, uh, just growing up with his mom and his dad at home because they were both taken on that, that horrible night. Uh, and, and that's kind of a that's kind of a nice moment. The Chronobolt still looks odd, and it's it's weird Colosseum style thing. Um, yeah, uh, but it it's cool, and uh, Ezra Miller's acting in that is really neat. Seeing like his just almost childlike amusement at getting getting to see those memories. Uh, I also felt that was um, kind of a sad moment, even though they didn't dwell on this. Like I think they could have a little bit more. Uh, just the the fact that he saw those memories, but he doesn't have them. Like he he still wouldn't have those memories. He'd have memories of seeing them like that, but his memories are still his own, and he sees those as different because he still doesn't have those memories. And I, I felt like that could have been a better way to explain the time stuff in this. Um, but on his way back to his own time, he gets knocked out by Savitar. I mean, Dark Flash. And uh, he he gets knocked right out of the Chronicle right in front of his house. And without checking anything in the time, without seeing where he is without trying to figure anything out about what just happened in the Chronobol. Uh, see, I feel like my first thought would have been, back in the Chronobol, who just hit me? Like, uh, no, none of that. He goes straight up to his house, which he hasn't seen any people in his house at this moment. He just sees his house. But he goes up and looks in the windows and sees his parents, both of his parents, home and alive and he's like oh, no way and he just like instantly uh oh he steals some clothes from some old people uh and just goes in and they're like oh barry you're early what universe is this which is a fun little thing and he just has this nice little awkward interaction where he gets to hug his mom which is good and then he sits down for dinner which i think is spaghetti uh and as he's sitting down and having a like a awkward ass, you know, Ezra Miller Barry Allen chat with his parents, uh, he sees his younger self coming up, and uh, he, he, his his instinct is to tackle that younger self, which is a funny sight gag. He's like, "Oh shit!" and his parents look at him all weird, like. I I have to shit, and he runs off, and then he just tackles his younger self, just straight up tackles him. Now, uh, from this moment, uh, there's there's Ezra Miller on Ezra Miller action the whole way through, and 
I will say this, that uh, Ezra Miller's Barry 2, we're going to call him Barry Prime and Barry 2, hope that's clear enough, Barry 2 is like just a stoner college kid, like really, really very much a stoner college kid. Um, at one point while he's freaking out about seeing his own face looking at him, he goes, "Is the, am I having a mushroom flashback? Is that a thing? And... Uh, it it kind of feels like Ezra Miller doing Pauly Shore is is the best description I've heard of it, and it's it's funny. Like I, it works for me. Barry two works for me. I was annoyed right, like right off the bat, but then it just got it got silly. I understood like how his character worked, who he was. Like I don't know it. It was silly, and it felt like it came from uh, an honest place in the timeline like as far as like yeah Ezra Miller would absolutely or Barry Allen would be absolutely be carefree and like no worries if his mom was there because all of his neuroses comes from that that huge crime and his dad going to jail and his uh, weird interest in like criminal law and stuff all that comes from that that was like a very formative moment for a lot of reasons and so that changes a whole aspect of this character and i think they played that part up really well the distinction of the berries was really really well outlined uh, ooh, uh then we got oh yeah zod comes and lightning flashes, and uh, there's at some point during this, there's a flashback to where Flash, during Zod's attack while he's doing the anti gravity stuff, saved one child by running him away at super speed from his dad who did die, which was sad. And but it's like got this nice, impactful, like just save one person. It's like Batman's speech or whatever, and uh. Yeah, so he it shows him just doing that, just saving one person, and uh, it was it was it was cool um, until you remember later in the movie that he's not there to do that. So that kid just dies with his dad, I guess, in this timeline, which is sad. I mean, everyone in this timeline dies, which is sad, but like that especially feels like yeah that that was your defining savior moment for yourself and it's just not uh there um and then so Barry doesn't understand time travel at all and that that's understandable to a degree but there's he seems to believe that this Barry will somehow become him in the future. So if he doesn't get his powers this night, which is the night he got his powers originally, he won't get his powers. But there's nothing about Barry 2's life that would have led him to that lab at all. That lab wasn't even open. No one was working in that lab. And he especially would never have been there because he wasn't that kind of person. He was, he didn't even do his own laundry. So there's no reason for him to have been at this 
at this uh, tech lab or this uh, crime lab for any reason at all. And he never would have got his powers in this timeline. So just just thinking about that logically for like two seconds, you can see that like, oh, this is different. This is a different thing. Also, you're both existing at the same time and the universe isn't collapsing. So you're probably different things. Like, it, there's nothing about the way that this is set up that makes it seem like Barry Prime should be so dumb about all of his decisions. And that that throws me off so much. Anyway, they do that. They recreate his origin. And it does a cool job of telling his origin story by doing this. Um, which is kind of good, because we didn't really get that at all in the DCU. Uh, DCEU. Maybe we'll get that into the DCU. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, we get his origin the lightning crashes through all the chemicals but um he didn't tell barry to get struck by lightning until the last second and that freaks him out so he stands up and has to get held in place so the lightning gets goes through barry prime and into barry 2 and it knocks barry prime's tooth out for some reason and knocks it into barry 2's tooth now this could have been a director's uh um, symbolic transfer of power because Barry 2 gets power and Barry Prime loses his. But it's um, not funny. It, they spend some time on it and it's not really funny. It doesn't really add anything. Uh, the transfer of power could simply have been the fact that he got struck by lightning through him and, like, you know, it went through him. And then there's just an instant of, oh, I'm slow. You don't need the tooth, and it, it falling out at the end is a dumb gag that doesn't doesn't work. I don't get why that's funny. I don't get why any of it's funny. The glue just gave out right then, or uh, I I just don't I don't get it. I don't get why that's funny. I don't know if that was from a previous draft where there had been talk about him losing his tooth or. I, I really don't... I just don't understand why that's good. Um, anyway, when Zod attacks... Uh, just like he does in Man of Steel... Uh, he does a quick Google for the League. Uh, anybody in the Justice League. And he can't find... Well, he can find Victor Stone, who is playing football. Um, he can't find Wonder Woman. He can't find Superman. He finds Thomas Curry. Uh, Aquaman's dad calls him... And has this funny little exchange where he finds out he named his dog Arthur. His wife is nowhere near the Queen of Atlantis. Like, it's a, it's a funny little bit, but uh, there's nothing. There's just there's no Justice League. Oh, also that's a, oh my God, uh, Timuera. Uh, the the guy who plays uh, Django Fett is is Arthur Curry. So that's fun. Um, or Thomas Curry. Sorry. Um. Batman exists, uh, and they, there's this running bit all the way through this part because they're at a Barry Two's apartment with his stony roommates, and uh, there's this running bit of Eric Stoltz having kept the role as Marty McFly, and uh, that's just some classic Hollywood trivia that Eric Stoltz is originally Marty McFly, and then they recast him, uh, but. 
they, I thought they did that joke once, like right, right when they got into this timeline and had the two berries interacting, and I was like, oh, that's a fun nod to the fact that they're in a different universe. But then they just kept doing it, and then they, like, they had him. One of the Stony roommates had uh, him a tattoo of Eric Stoltz, Marty McFly, and it was this big conversation point right here, and it was uh, unnecessary. Uh, anybody who who got the bit got it right off the bat, and anybody who didn't was probably not that entertained with being told it five times. So it it felt too much, and we could have had some other like slightly different changes, like uh, they go to a big stomach burger, you know, instead of big belly. I don't know. Uh, it would have been. Really easy to have a couple other little changes that were significant, maybe to the DCEU instead of just to um, pop culture geeks. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, so they find out that Batman exists, though, and uh, he's old and doesn't do anything anymore. So they go to Wayne Manor, which is dusty and unattended. And, uh, it seems like Bruce just had never cleaned before Alfred died, and after he died, he continued to never clean. And I kind of like that. Um, (laughs) uh, But they got uh, the the armor all the way throughout the top of the house, which is pretty cool um, from all around the world, similar to the Tim Burton ones. And they... It looks like the same... Uh, Wayne Manor that Keaton had in the first Batman, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, they go down to the kitchen, which seems to be the one place that is relatively clean, and uh, there's a flip flop on the floor, but they don't see anybody in there. But there's clearly like water boiling or noodles already boiling, um, and so they're like, "Hmm, somebody's in here," and then. Bruce Wayne, dressed up like the big Lebowski, comes out and just starts attacking them with kitchen implements. And Barry, too, with his newfound powers, just dodges what he has to. And Barry Prime just gets the shit kicked out of him, which is satisfying. Um, but after after they uh, get through this little misunderstanding, though, they get to the point of like oh you fucked with time well here's what i know about time and bruce wayne in this dimension for some reason knows a lot about time travel i guess since gotham became a peaceful place and he's not really needed maybe he's doing research or maybe he had some uh fuck ups with time mm-hmm. i don't know but uh he knows a lot about time travel and he outright like Unlike some movies you may have seen, uh, I've heard some people say that might be a reference to the Back to the Future uh, references within the movie, which kind of makes sense. But um, the the way he says it, and then the way he explains it with the the spaghetti, makes it very much seem like a dig at Marvel, which is odd because their time travel makes more sense than this. Well. Okay, so not that it makes more sense. He explains it like a fulcrum point. When you go back in a point and change the past, 
that means everything that led up to that past was also slightly different than what had come before in the other past because a different decision was made that's a different timeline that goes starts from a different place and ends in a different place so you just made a different point in time where those intersect and that's that's an interesting concept and i i like the idea of it uh but they seem to take the time explain this and then just ignore it when it's convenient so up here to the explanation of the time, uh, how it works in this universe, or how it's supposed to work anyway, um, he chooses not to help when Zod's attacking, which um, doesn't really make a lot of sense, because it seems like this Batman's kept in practice. Like, he's really ready to fight. He's clearly older and not really taking care of the Batcave or whatever, but he seems to be taking care of himself at least. Because he's in fighting shape, he's doing fine, but um, just because Gotham's safe, he doesn't want to save the world? I don't know. It seems a little flimsy on that, it just seems like the a little bit of a refusal of the call to action that's a little forced. Um, but... The berries decide they're just going to go to the bat cave and use his bat gear and all his bat computers and uh so uh Barry Prime starts using his bat computers to get a backdoor to NASA and try and find any information on where Superman might be in this timeline and uh during that young Barry Barry 2 is uh, just running around the Batcave picking up nostalgia gear. You find the laughing bag from Joker's death. You find the the Batmobile, which I heard a different review say that this was the uh, an apt metaphor for the whole movie was that uh, they whip the sheet off the Batmobile. You see the classic 89 Batmobile. Oh, it's so cool. And then Barry 2 falls asleep in it. And and that's all we really see with that. Like we got out this really cool thing, and we showed it to you, and that was good, right? Right? That was that was super exactly what you what you needed. Um. Anyway. Uh. While Barry's getting all desperate in his research, he sees the little uh, computer's got a little camera on it, and he's like, "I know you're watching, Bruce." And then he like goes on about the how there's constants in every timeline, and I know you're good, and where you should just do the right thing, kind of thing. Uh, and that spurs him into the into action, and he goes to his bat suit room, and we see. Like, the the classic suits from his movie and a couple other, like, specialty suits that are really... It's cool to see. It's it's really neat to see. Um, it's it's a fun little nod to the fact that it is the, the... Just the 89 timeline and not just his movies. Um, but also, I like the idea that um, all the... The different recastings are different timelines, so if you went back a little bit, like, 
Batman 89 with Kilmer would have been a different movie than Batman 89 with Clooney would have been a different movie than Batman 89 with Pattinson, which we might have just seen. <laughs> uh, not quite, but, you know, it's, it's just like, it's fun to imagine that like those, those were all the same Bruce's in the same general timeline, like that was Bruce Wayne in that, in that Gotham, but with a slight shift, a slight... A uh, can of tomatoes moved, maybe, <laughs> or a shelf of tomatoes. Um, we, so we got the Keaton gives Barry a redacted government document from Russia or something that says they've got Supergirl, or they they said they've got a super person or something like what he's looking for fell into Russia, and so they're gonna go suit up and. Uh, Keaton suits up, does the I'm Batman line, which was, you know, it was fine. It was, I feel like it would have had more weight if it wasn't in the trailer, because when we heard it in the trailer, it felt impactful and special, and in this, it just kind of felt like something he was supposed to say. Uh, We got the, so they're flying to Russia, and... The bat wings got these cool little ejector sheets, ejector seats that just lower down, and this fun little bit where Barry Two is like, "Where's your parachute?" and then Keaton just glides off and using his bat suit, which is sweet. Um, they find Kara in a giant scrotum. They call that out. They call it a giant scrotum in the movie, which is once again some of the humor in this movie is funny enough. Like she is, she's in a giant scrotum. It's hanging by like little things. It's it's funny. Um, and it does look like the thing the that Superman's been kept in in other iterations. So, and it's got the red sun, the flashes in there. It's it's a cool visual when they're uh, in there trying to save her. And uh, Bruce Wayne's super callous in this. Uh, Batman just walks up. It's not him. And then just turns around to leave. And Barry's obviously like, "Oh, we gotta help her because she needs help." <laughs> but. It's just so weird to me that they went all this way, they found this obviously super powerful person, and it's because it's not the exact person that uh, Barry described to him. He just turns around, is like, fuck it. What? <laughs> um, so they they get Kara out of there, and they start getting attacked uh, by the people on lookout here which there weren't actually anybody on lookout because they were able to get in just fine it wasn't until barry two made a noise inside that the scientist raised an alarm and then a veritable a veritable army contingent comes out of nowhere and just starts blasting at him but once again not not just watching for anybody who might roll up i don't know uh so they do an elevator thing where they do a call back to, I think it was Vicky Vale. He asked, uh, how much do you weigh? And before he did a, a like grappling hook, that's the word I was looking for her away. And, uh, it was a cool little callback and he just sets a bomb instead of any other cool little gadget or 
sleek little device. He just adds a bomb, made sure he had the right weight to just blow them up to the surface, which I liked. I thought that was nice for them to do that little math and have that little callback and also show that this roost is really a physic like um, less technically proficient and just a little more brute force than other Batman, which uh, is fun. And sticks to his character, which is cool. He was a nutso Bruce Wayne. Uh, once they're out on the top of the base, they kind of get cornered, but Kara's in the sun now, so when she gets enough energy, she fucking takes all these guards out and she even saves batman at one point it's not entirely clear if it's intentional but uh if she hadn't punched the bullet heading for his face she he would have just got shot in the face so it it's a pretty cool little moment but with her attitude with her attitude towards humans and her apparent lack of awareness for the last whole time since she's gotten out it seems weird that she would intentionally save him so i don't know if that was just a coincidence or what <laughs> uh so they go back and or they talk to car and she's like oh i uh i don't really want to help you guys because humans suck i've only been on this planet and all i've known is torture it sucks. You guys suck. I'm going to go to these Kryptonians who are here. They're my people. Uh, and so she just... She fucks off after getting saved. Uh, which, I mean, kind of makes sense in its own right. But also, she did just get saved. And that should show her that not all people are bad. Like, they just risk their lives to save her. And I, I don't know. It feels like she is smart enough to understand that. But chooses not to. Um... So Barry Prime decides at this moment that they need to get his powers back. So uh, Bruce Wayne apparently has all those chemicals or has access to all those chemicals that he needs to uh, get hit with lightning with. And they just put him in an electric chair and throw chemicals on him. And uh, Bruce Wayne's fine with doing this, fine with throwing the switch and potentially killing a young man for... Uh, powers that don't exist in the world that he knows. Uh, yeah. And also, he, after it doesn't work the first time, he's fine to just try again. The only reason he doesn't zap him again is because the, the wiring's faulty, because all of his stuff, which has a nice, uh, run-down feel to it, like it hasn't been touched since probably Alfred died. And that's kind of cool. It's like... It, realistic that it just wouldn't work a second time because that's a lot of power going through old devices and but it's also just f funny to me that he was just like yeah all right let's try again oh it, it's it's uh it didn't work <laughs> uh, uh but kryptonians are sometimes dicks uh so supergirl flies all the way to Zod, and then just sees him being a brutal, uh, anything less than peaceful, and she doesn't like that, that's not what Krypton's about, so she, instead of 
I don't know, doing anything at that moment. She goes back to the people she just abandoned. I. It feels to me if you were in the spot where the people who saved your life couldn't get your time of day, then when you saw somebody doing something you thought misrepresented you and the only identity you know and all you have left, then you would probably just attack them, right? Not fly back halfway across the world to people you don't know who might help you have a better shot of defeating... I, I don't... The, the logic is flawed there. She could have went up and asked what happened to kal then. Because that's the only other people who might have any idea about any of that. And she doesn't think to do any of that. She's just like, oh, they're being warlike. Better go get help from these people I just effectively lumped in with scum. I'm I, I just struggling to find the logic there because... I don't... The actress who played uh, Supergirl did awesome. Um, Sasha Kaye, I think. Um, but she she did awesome. Her, the, the, the moments where she got to just be Supergirl for, you know, 30 seconds at a time on screen was... Her performance was really good in those times. It's just she didn't... She didn't get enough time. Her character didn't get enough time to make her motivations clear enough that it didn't seem silly when she decided to do some things. Uh, and then she comes back just in time that Barry, after getting shocked in the electric chair, is like kind of dying. <laughs> he's not doing great, but he's like, shock me again, come on, and it doesn't work, so... Uh, Supergirl flies him up to the sky, and there's this awesome cinematic shot. It was in, I think, every trailer they released of this movie where she flies him up into the stormy sky, and there's just this awesome... It's really cinematically beautiful how she's lifting him into the sky, and then we cut, and he's been hit by lightning. There was something that really should have happened after that shot because we saw it so many times in the trailers that, like... It should have been a build-up, and it didn't. It was it was a it was a crescendo, not a crescendo. It didn't do that. It just crescended, and then it was over. Uh, I I'm so baffled by that decision. Have have Supergirl in the air, just like taking like two or three bolts of lightning to herself while she's taking this four berry like show some level of impact to that moment like you swung back a hammer and then you just casually set it down we wanted that watermelon smash gallagher and there was no any of that people get that reference still i don't know um it just, it it bugged me so much that that shot was so pretty, and they knew it was pretty, so they used it a lot, and then they didn't have anything to follow it up with. It was just them back in the Batcave. And Barry Prime still not looking good. It doesn't seem like the lightning strike in the sky worked either, even with the chemicals. Uh, so it's just, just kind of looking like he's going to die. And then 
uh, Barry Two leans next to him, and there's this little burst of like speed for force lightning that zaps over from one Barry to the other. And I, I am pretty sure that the writers wanted you to think that that was the spark he needed was that little bit of speed force energy on top of whatever else. Like maybe he could have just done the chemicals and had Barry Two stand real close to him, uh, but. It seems like that that little extra bit from the speed force is what actually gave him back his powers this time. So I thought that was a neat little touch, but I don't know if they made it clear enough or if it was the point because they didn't emphasize it or bring it up in dialogue. I don't know. But it seemed like a good point they could have leaned into a little better. Um the bat cow flash suit leads to my favorite joke in the whole movie. So they've, they've first of all the the montage where he makes it is pretty funny because they do the whole spray paint like like getting it all ready and then it just the final cut of the montage is him just cutting off the rubber ears of this cow and it's just making this awful noise and it cuts out all the music and it's just that and it's that's a that's a good bit I like that um, and his flash suit looks. It looks kind of silly, but it also looks um, kind of like Uncanny Valley scary because it's it's Flash on Batman. I don't know. I think that's a, actually a reference to the Flashpoint comic, but I can't remember for sure. Uh, it's it's it looks neat. It's fun. It's a fun little bit, but it leads to my favorite joke when they're on their way after they're all suited up. Uh, Barry too just turns his head all the way and if you know anything about the old Batman you really couldn't turn your head in the suits and so there's just this half face smooshed into the side of this bat cowl Ezra Miller face and it's I that that was the funniest joke in the movie for me just actively I've always wanted to see what it looked like when somebody turned their head in one of those cowls and that it not only satisfied that need, but was pretty funny in the moment because it caught me off guard. I I love that. So that was a that was a good bit. Barry two comes into his prime at this moment. Uh, not in this moment, but like this is where he starts to really. Barry two overheard Barry Prime discuss the fact that his mom had to die for his other timeline to happen, uh, and he kind of kind of like gets the realization that oh i am doing this to prevent my mom's death but or his mom's death like it's not it doesn't seem to sink in all the way but he seems to kind of have an understanding that this is heavier than he was than he was giving it credit for so it's it's cool to see a little bit of character development and like having Barry Prime almost die in front of him was, like, you could tell that affected him. And, uh, the way Ezra Miller plays it, you can really feel that. And that's... Having both ends of that character development, both the mentor and the student role, uh, and nailing it is... It's respectable. That's really cool. Um, that's, that's a good job acting... Um, you should not choke slam people. <laughs> uh, Zod killed a baby. 
Yeah, so they uh, tried to take the the DNA from Clark after they intercepted his pod, and they killed the baby because he didn't even have the right stuff that they needed. And uh, that pissed Supergirl off. And Sasha Kaye, I'm pretty sure that's her name, um, her just outrage here is so palpable. You can feel it. Like, I know kill the baby is a really easy motivation. It feels... I don't know, almost cheap, like, of course that makes you angry, but uh, her rage felt real and good and uh, righteous. It felt like you wanted to hit with her every time. It was it was solid. Her performance was really good in this. Um, so this is a big final climactic battle in the desert. They're all... Uh, running around, doing their own things, but uh, working together. And the very twos are doing fun things with the Speed Force. As, uh, sorry, the Berries are both doing fun things with the Speed Force. As Barry Two's kind of still learning about his powers. And it's a fun little thing. Um, come on, Barbie, let's go party was stupid. They, um, so... I like the idea of having the nickname Bar come up and be relatively common in the movie. Bar. Oh, hey, Bar. And it happens in... Or Bear, also. But it happens in the Flash TV show, and it happens uh, in, in the comics, but it didn't really come up in this. If there had been a Bar... Hey, Bar. Hey, Bar. And... You got that in the second universe where it was, oh, hey, Bar. Oh, hey. And then you both of them respond, oh, uh, I guess we'll be Bar A and Bar B. Ha, <laughs> Bar B. Uh, super easy way to get to that joke and have this line during this final epic climactic battle mean anything at all. At all. It doesn't... It doesn't have to be revelatory. It doesn't have to be an epiphany. I'm not expecting that from every line of dialogue, but I do want jokes to track. There was no reason to say this. There was no reason at all. And, I mean, they they have Barry, too, like, confusedly finished the line. Like, why are we saying this? That doesn't... Lampshading this doesn't make it better. It just... Shows me you have a bad taste in lampshades. It's weird. So, Bat and uh, Soups die the first time. Uh, Batman has nothing left. Uh, he can't eject because it's just not working. And uh, his things are all malfunctioning or whatever, so he's just gonna go he knows he's going down so he's gonna crash into the ship and take it out but the ship is shielded so he dies in vain and then supergirl gets uh the upper hand got on her and she loses in her fight where she gets stabbed and the dna extracted from her uh so but the both flashes go back in time and they appear right above their own heads, and while their selves are fighting this, they go and try to save the other two again. So, um, Batman, instead of crashing into the thing, 
uh, I think Barry Prime is like, Bruce, it's shielded. And so he, like, just goes roger that and pulls up. And I don't know. Uh, uh, so he tries to attack these big-ass guys. And um, he ends up getting out of the Batwing this time. But uh, he's getting fucked up. But he... Uh, is fighting like this Titan Kryptonian who's just bigger than all the rest of them with no explanation. And uh, he bombs the shit out of it. Like, bomb, 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 bomb. And uh, it's really cool because you can see, like, I he wouldn't have won, not without any kryptonite, but, like, he actually put up a fight against, like, the the biggest, baddest guy on that battlefield. And that was just a, a cool way to see Keaton in action one last time and uh he gets this last bomb on the back of his head and it just boom and he's he's just sustained too many injuries so it looks like the big kryptonian's gone down and while you think he's dead um keaton does this thing and well keaton does this thing where he dies <laughs> and, but um barry allen's just holding him in his arms and it's just like we can't bring you back can we and uh, you know, he knows that Michael Keaton doesn't have context for this. He's just kind of, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the word. There's a word for it, but talking out loud to explain things to himself. And, uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, just goes, you already did. Because, you know, the context to him is that, uh, he got brought back out of retirement, so he got brought back. He he died in kind of like a way that felt honorable for him instead of how we thought he was going to go just hold up in his mansion alone. So, like, this, it was a really touching moment in that way. And, uh, that was, that was cool. Uh, um, so they, they go back. And they go back into the Chrono Bowl. And... Barry 2's got this piece of Kryptonian shrapnel in his arm, and it's healed into his arm because he heals hyperfast. And instead of like trying to phase it out of his arm, he just starts using it as a weapon. And from that moment on, he just is dead set on fixing this, because, I don't know, there's some implication that he loves Supergirl for some reason, but I, that's real flimsy. Um, it's just... Like, I think he is aware that his mom doesn't want to die. Or, <laughs> of course his mom doesn't want to die. I, I, he's aware that his mom will die if they don't fix this timeline. Um, but I think that's where his desperation comes from. And I think it's clear in the, in the way the character is portrayed as well. That, like, that's, that's the point. It's like, this is the timeline where his mom lives. And even dumbass stony brain... Barry Allen from this universe understands that he doesn't like that. And I think that's where this really, like, there's just a lot of, uh, um, not controversy, just discussion online about um, that this seems a little forced and a little fast. And I don't disagree but i don't fully agree with that either in that like i feel like they since the moment he learned about his mom's death in the other timeline which granted definitely should have been a little sooner 
at least. And we should have had some moments delving into that a little more, but we just did not. Uh, and so it does seem a little sudden, but I think his motivation comes from the right place. And I think it is on the screen if you uh, know what you're looking at, I guess. Um, so the Chronobol multiverse thing that happens is the all the cameos we got the both the Superman the black and white and the Christopher Reeves one uh, Supergirl from the 80s and Adam West Batman and Nick Cage Superman now there are five cameos there two four five yeah I know how to count um, uh, two of them are dead people uh, or dead Superman. One of them is a dead Batman. One of them is a Supergirl. And the other one is Nick Cage, who, I mean, Superman as well, but, like, he's not a dead person. And, uh, I don't understand why there were so many Supermen in this, is kind of my main thinking. Like, it seems like it would have made more sense to put maybe even more multiverses in and have a variety of characters. Oh, there was also um, Teddy Sears, not Teddy Sears, The Flash. So as far as I can tell, that looked to me like The Flash from the TV show where uh, Jay Garrick is being portrayed by somebody who has stolen Jay Garrick's identity and then takes uh, like has him has the real jay garrick like mad eye moodied in the in a cage for the whole season and it's like so wait you got the one who's not even the real one who was faking to be the real one to get to the i don't understand why so they didn't they didn't put grant gustin in this who deserved to be in this film i mean maybe he didn't deserved to be in such a bad film but he deserved to be in a good flash movie he definitely did and does still um and it would have been fucking fantastic to see some acknowledgement of the fact that this ezra miller's flash got his name from that grant gustin flash in a crossover event or that he appeared in that crossover event or that nobody from the in any of those cameos filmed anything. They didn't even seem to use stock footage. They just digitally composited all of it, and it looked like garbage. I don't understand why there's so many Superman. It should have been Flashes. It should have been Flashes and Batman. There was one Batman, one Flash. But I get why there was a Supergirl. That made sense, but like the fact that like the their timeline they were going back through that they were fucking with had to do with Batman, Supergirl, and The Flash. And we got mostly Superman cameos. And I don't really like that they're reanimating dead people for cameos. That seems in poor taste to me. I don't really like that they didn't have Nick Cage, who's loved Superman so much his son's name is Kal-El. They didn't have him come in and put on the suit to do anything for that they just digitally composited him so he looks fucking odd too he just looks they all look fucking weird 
And this might be that speed force argument again, but even if it is, distort Nick Cage's real face, because I bet he would have put on that suit and a wig for absolutely free to be in a Superman movie. Like, there is no reason that these cameos needed to look so bad, mostly because there was no reason for most of these cameos. Like, I, I, most of the discussion is the fact that these are distasteful, which I agree with, but they shouldn't have been these cameos, not in this movie. It should have been flashes, different flashes from different worlds, all having the same kind of crisis, the same kind of thing, all happening in the same kind of time, because time is weird like that, and that's what makes it super interesting, because they're not they're out of time when they're in the Chrono Bowl. So it wouldn't matter what was happening in their worlds. When they're out of time and they're fucking it up, they all start merging together, and that's what happens. But this, there, there was one person running, obviously the Jay Garrick Flash, uh, the making a Cronable style situation happen on his end. But nobody else was in that situation. Their universes were just getting brought into this, I guess. And so, I, if they wanted to do these old school cameos, and they wanted to show the universe ripping apart, they should have had the berries have a little bit more of a conflict and start running after each other and like, break out through the Chronobol and go into these worlds, like, run past these, like, go past, like, old footage of them, just send the Chronobol through the black-and-white shots of old George Reeve footage or uh, Chris Reeve's footage or uh, that Nick Cage thing. Just have Nick Cage suit up and stand there and have the flashes run by and just have Nick Cage go, oh, like a Nick Cage thing. <laughs> you know and then you get to see superman nick cage for just a second uh, you get to see all those guys for just a second and it seems like they're actually like tearing up time because they're probably leaving a trail behind them as they're going through these times because they ran out of time to get you know it would have been way cooler to see something like that but it would have been way made way more sense even then for those to be flashes and not supermen why is it so many supermen this was literally just a cash grab moment because the Supermen don't make sense for this moment. And they, they, they wanted this discussion. They wanted the discussion I'm having right now. But the Supermen don't make any sense for this. And it frustrates the ever-loving crap out of me that they didn't put Grant Gustin in this. For even a second. Stupid, stupid decision. But... At the end of the day, uh, Barry Prime makes Barry to realize, hey, all of these things are about to die. It's going to be way more than just, Mom, we need to stop what we're doing. And then Savitar Barry uh, stabs at Barry Prime, and Barry 2 sacrifices himself so that they all can just revert this timeline back to nothing because... That's basically what's going to happen now. It was never actually created in this same way. It didn't exist in the same way. Barry wasn't here to fuck it up in the same way. <laughs> like, yeah, so they they changed stuff for weird stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, we don't really get to see any of the, the fallout from any of that because we just see Barry go back in time to fix the, to the tomato thing that he did. And... This is where we get the most emotional moment of the film. And this is 
Um, this is kind of a cheap shot for me because I lost my mom when I was 19 and just, you know, would do anything to have that conversation. The the one conversation as an adult with my mom. Any conversation. Uh, so this this was uh, tugged at my heartstrings when he said goodbye to his mom for the last time. And there's this nice moment where she, like... To her in the store, this is a stranger looking really weird and kind of sad. But there's this nice moment where they see the side of uh, Ezra's face and or Barry Allen's face there, and just uh, kind of have this like spark of recognition, not quite like, but familiarity. And uh, there's just the kind of uh, it, they want you to think that you know maybe she knows like. There's no reason for her to know, but maybe she does, and it's just this nice little moment of, do you need a hug from a stranger? Because you're obviously crying. And it's it's super nice. He gets to hug his mom one last time, and then he, he speed forces the fuck out of there. But not before changing the cans. This movie... This fucking movie. Um, he looks up at the camera that he tried to have the footage salvaged from, where his dad... Where his dad doesn't look up. And so he puts... He changes that whole shelf of tomatoes. So his dad, when he looks at that camera, or when he gets those tomatoes, he has to look at that camera. And this whole time, this whole movie, has been leading up to... You can't change things. You've got to just let it happen. Like, you can't change the past. I mean... You gotta just let it happen. You gotta just accept it and roll with the punches. That's the whole point of the movie. And instead of learning that lesson after watching the multiverse almost get destroyed, he um moves all the cans to a different shelf. And so anybody in the world who might have gone into that store to look for those tomatoes could have had a drastically different day. The person who stocks those tomatoes could have had a drastically different day. Maybe somebody got written up for the last time on their job because those shelves or because those shelves were stacked improperly. Huh? Like there's there are a thousand things that could have spawned from moving those cans and he's just gonna act like that doesn't have the same level or more interactivity with the past than the one can moving into his mom's cart. Like I don't understand how anybody could possibly come out of this thinking that this berry has grown in any measurable way because all the measurement would have been done right there. Where he had the opportunity, he looked up at the camera, and he should have just put the can back down on the bottom and said, nope, you got to let it be. But no. No, he doesn't do that. And and we are back to the present, and Barry saves his dad by, uh, with those cans. And we get this moment where he's stepping out of the courthouse, and he brings up how the, the, the spaghetti's all back, and uh, we're not such a mess anymore, or something like that. And it doesn't make any sense, and then Iris is next to him for some reason and ushers him down. And um, instead of talking about this, and Iris being here doesn't make a lot of sense like she came over once and then she's his number one support for the trial I, uh, it seems weird that he wouldn't try and walk out with his dad at this moment um, and 
the reporters all ask him for a quote, which is interesting. I mean, I guess he's the child of the guy who's been in prison. So, but they, do you think he'd want the guy that was been? I don't know. It's this whole scene's odd to me. And then she ushers him through a crowd of reporters. Like, there's no less than 15 or 20 people there with microphones, cameras, the whole shebang. And uh, we, we cut to them talking for a second. And then we cut back to them a shot facing where they just were. All of those reporters are gone. Like... Normally, I am pretty forgiving about background little shots like that, but this was an entire crowd of people immediately dispersed, like, less than 30 seconds cut away, and they were gone. Zip. There were three or four people left standing there, but they didn't look like reporters. They just looked like people standing there, looked like extras. I... It is so close to the end of the movie, and you can't... I... I so frustrating that that little things like that go by on a movie with this big a budget with this much time with this many hands working on it there's nobody stopping was like hey we should use a different shot that has at least a couple more people in it uh, i know there were a lot of reshoots but fucking throw that crowd just back in there digitally you didn't have a problem doing anything else digitally this looked so bad at the end because of that like really really stupid thing and then uh we get the one fuck in the movie who the fuck is this when bruce wayne pulls up and steps out of the car and it's george clooney because he fucked with the best now i george clooney i grew up with batman and robin and so as a six-year-old it's really hard to judge the merits of film and i thought that was a really cool movie i understood the jokes and i thought that poison ivy was the coolest thing on this side of the world and I wanted to be Robin so she would kiss me and I could say rubber lips because <laughs> that was so silly I thought the whole thing was great um, I, know I understand why it's a bad movie now because as a six year old I loved it and that's, that is why it is a bad movie um, in case you don't get that but it's it, it's nice for me because one of my predictions or hopes for this film was that we would have a nice um, tie-off to the DCEU. That there it would be very clear that, like, yep, this is the end of the EU. We're moving on to James Gunn's U. That's it. And this is this is that. Um, George Clooney's not going to come back and be Batman. I, I don't think he would do a bad job. I think he is a movie star and a good director and script. You will have a really good Batman in George Clooney. But I also believe there's enough fans that wouldn't want that, and he's old enough that it wouldn't... I just don't... I don't see that happening in any realistic sense. So it's nice to know that we are leaving Ezra behind in a different part of the multiverse for now because they do not deserve any more money for their heinous, heinous acts on this planet. Um... Acting was good in this film, though. Yeah. Acts and acting. Different things. Uh, then we got the post-credits with Aquaman. And this was stupid. This was... Uh, there was this nice little moment where he was talking about how all the Bruces are different. 
but then you're the same because you're uh, furry, lovable, uh, motivated by bacon, and um, I've heard some interpretations of this as, like, he was going around the multiverse, and this is him trying to explain, like, he's trying to, like, oh yeah, Aquaman's the same in every multiverse, but I don't think that's, I don't think that was what it was. I think this was a joke. I think this, like everything else in this movie, was a joke. Was that, um, uh, the Batmans were different, so he went and saw Michael Keaton, and then he went and saw, when he got back to this timeline, he's seeing George Clooney, and they're all different. But in this one, he's the same. And in the Keaton timeline, he was the same because the dog was basically the same as who Aquaman's character is. I think it was just a joke about that. I I don't think there's any fundamental, like, oh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman in every timeline because he clearly wasn't in that last one. He was not existent. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to get my thoughts on that post credit scene that I don't think... I don't think he's been traveling around different multiverses. I think he was just trying to explain to Aquaman what was going on. And Aquaman is drunk, and that's silly, I guess. Because alcohol abuse is great if you've got superpowers. Thumbs up? Uh, anyway, I I don't... The, the end point, I guess, for all of this... And the reason I felt the need to do this is that a Flash story is easy. And I mean that in the broadest sense possible. I mean to say that if you gave a, uh, let's say, a 12-year-old with, with a propensity for writing, let's say they are already a writer of some some varying level, and you gave them the key plot points this this film, like with Ezra Miller and George Clooney at the end, if you gave them the key plot points to this film and told them, write a script around these plot points, you would have gotten a better story from that 12-year-old than you would have gotten from 40-plus writers on a single script. That is stupid. Anybody who's ever written anything, I feel like, knows that that is stupid when you are firing people for creative differences left and right, but you're going to keep parts of all of those scripts, this doesn't make any sense. This actively doesn't make any sense. Just do an outright word-for-word adaptation of Flashpoint if you're going to fucking go this bad with all of this. Because there's nothing in this movie that was so bad, I was like, that ruined this movie for me. But there was so much in this movie that did not connect or make it feel like a comfortable story or a coherent film even it it felt it felt like the Mario movie and that's not a diss on the Mario movie the Mario movie is made specifically for children and audiences of Nintendo products to go oh cool look at my reference look at the reference in the antique shop because the antique shop, that's like when I was a kid playing games, ha ha ha, because I'm old now, I get it, ha ha ha. And, and that's, it's funny, and like, it's it's good, it's fine. Like, the Mario movie is a boilerplate, like, adventure for kids. And it does exactly what it's trying to do. And that's great. But this does exactly that, 
and then it's trying to do deep themes and emotional moments and uh like you can't have this impactful of a story and not take any of your themes seriously. That's not to say you can't joke. You can have jokes all the way through. I, nah, I've joked at funerals before because it eases the tension and makes me feel better. It's not, it's not about that. It's about using the room and reading it. Like, if I was at a funeral for anything where somebody may have taken their own life and I made a joke about suicide that is horribly distasteful and that's that it feels like that's what this movie was it was jokes about that <laughs> and it's it's a wretched it's a wretched thing to have to say this very easy story with very, like, cut-and-dry plot points that any comics books fan, comic books fan knows at this point and just, just shove your fist in its ass so hard. And like, you like this puppet? This is a good puppet. The Flashpoint one, you like that one? And like... No, I liked Flashpoint, and now it's a corpse on your arm, and I don't know what you're doing with that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just so disappointed that this is what it is, I guess. Because anybody who can write a story could write a better Flash story than what this ended up being. And anybody who's seen any of the Flash TV show knows that they did this movie better in the first three seasons. And, uh... Well, Grant Gustin's a much better Flash than Barry Allen. Or than uh, Ezra Miller. And much better Barry Allen than Ezra Miller, too. So... Uh, go watch the Flash TV show if you want any Flash. And, uh... When this comes out on streaming and you don't have to pay extra to watch it, if you pay anything extra to watch it, don't do it. But uh, when it comes out on streaming and you can just have a couple of beers and turn your brain off and just watch a couple of fun Flash set pieces with Batman in it, great. That's all this movie is. Nothing else.